welcome to the awkward stare where Arlene, Natasha, and Jahan take a long, awkward look at life and deep dive into all manner of subjects. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. If you like what you hear, please share with some friends and follow us for more content like this. And we love hearing from you all. So please don't hesitate to send us an email at theawkwardstare at gmail.com. That's theawkwardstare at gmail.com. Also, you can direct message us through Instagram at theawkwardstarepodcast. That's theawkwardstarepodcast. So we're excited to welcome back Mark Polite to the show. Um, He was on our first season um, in February 2021. And uh, today we're going to share our love of sci-fi blogging and his latest book, The Binge Watcher's Guide to Black Mirror. Welcome, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jahan. You know, I'm I'm great. Uh, So, you know, first of all, thank you for inviting me back. I do definitely appreciate that. You know, it's been it's always been uh, good to to have a return audience to come back to and a, a, a podcast to, you know, come back to and everything. So that's always a great thing. So, yeah. Thank you for coming on. And um, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself um, so that so that new people know. So a little bit about me. I'm a I'm a blogger and author. Uh, I've uh, I've been blogging uh, for about. 13 years now. Uh, originally started blogging back in 2009. Founded the site called Play on Society, and it was uh, social commentary, book reviews, literature reviews, that kind of stuff. And then from there on out, I branched out from blogging to uh, self-publishing my own books. And I've published initially three of my own works, uh, two poetry books, and one essay collection. And because of all you know the work that I've put into that and just being functional on this on the, the literary scene of, of of New York City, I was able to you know collaborate and and work with a, a publisher to publish which is would be my fourth book a um which is the binge watchers guide to Black Mirror so that's my latest book which came out in the spring of 2021 so um yeah it's a, a little bit about me just off the top. Nice. Thank you. Um, since you mentioned this, um, congratulations on 13 years of blogging, because <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, before we get into the conversation about sci-fi, how do you stay consistent with blogging? Because uh, you're very consistent, by the way, on your website. Okay, well, thank, thank you. Thank you. What helps me stay consistent? I have a, a certain approach to blogging. I don't try to just cover the same ground that everybody else covers. Because you can just just be always clout chasing. I, I, I try not to do that, and I I, I have my own metrics that I want to uh, lead by. Like I pretty much, on average, post about three times a week, and I try not to exceed that. If I do exceed that, that's rare. That's that's a good thing. But I try to at least stick to at least three posts per week because you know busy schedules, work, everything else. Every other responsibilities, parenthood, all that other stuff, you know, can't really go beyond that without letting other areas of my life suffer. So the way I can stay consistent is to just stick to my three posts a week. And content wise, I don't like to talk about what everybody's talking about on the internet. So that makes me feel as though I'm actually doing something different. Like if you've looked at my site recently, I mostly talk about like literature. I've incorporated business, technology, you know, um, tips about like how to, you know, like financial tips on how to save money, things like that. Things that are actually practical that people could use instead of just always, oh, this celebrity did this to that one and this one slapped this one and this, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't see the the overall use in that all the time. Like you, you can go somewhere else for that. Like if you if you come to my blog, you're going to get something different than what you would have got somewhere else. So that's what allows me to still keep, you know, putting stuff out there and be consistent to know that I'm not doing what everybody else is doing out here. Thank you for that, Mark. Um, so we all are lovers of sci-fi of all types. Um, we just were talking about zombies um, 
I just want to <laughs> <They're> laughing because <laughs> we because it, it got crazy. Got um, heated. So we'll heated debate on, <laughs> on, on, on zombies. The apocalypse. <laughs> um, I just want to, so going back into your memory banks, I know that you in um uh, your book you mentioned some of your the sci-fi that you loved as growing up. Like mm-hmm. so, going far back as you can. Um, what was the sci-fi show or book or, or, or movie that introduced you to mm. like sci-fi and just captured your attention? I know you mentioned Star. I'm not going to go too deep into everything you mentioned, but you mm-hmm. know, Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, you also mentioned V. Mm-hmm. I love that show. So, yeah. <laughs> but what, what was, what, what was yeah. that, that show that was like, Oh, I think yeah. I need to stick with this. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I mean, I had a lot of shows back in the day, like, like to me, like it was like the the old school Lost in Space, um, Alien Nation, um, you know, the, the original Star Trek, um, you know, I don't know if people remember, um, uh, you know, Buck, Buck Rogers, you know, um, you know, kind of stuff like that. Like, yeah, like that kind of ex- exploratory, uh, you know, I want to you know, find different parts of space kind of thing that 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 was always my thing. So, you know, I kind of grew up with that. So it was just kind of like escapism to me. And, you know, most people like remember those shows, but everybody knows Star Trek and Star Wars. So I try to keep it like inside baseball, but, you know, it's just really like, I was just a fan of the whole genre, but I have to, if I have to go way, way back, I have to say Lost in Space, you know, which is you know a little bit before my time but I, I grew up watching it so so yeah yeah most definitely I think um I think we're all we're thinking about it earlier that question earlier um and I would say that we grew up watching Star Trek and stuff like mm-hmm. that but I think that Alienation came on um I don't even mm-hmm. know if it was on during the time or it was just reruns or something but that was so interesting to me um when you when I saw you mentioned that alienation, I was like, yeah, that was that was yeah. that was the show. That was the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the, all the things that were explored with xenophobia and like that, to me that like science fiction always had like a message in it. And to me, like alienation, the themes there were just um, xenophobia. And if you like recall, like a lot of the the unease about immigration and everything. So. Like I, I always kind of saw the, the the playback of well we're going to use aliens to talk about a social issue, we're going to use people's fear of of you know people with big heads with spots on their head to talk about uh, talk about American xenophobia and American fear of foreigners. So so I was like I, I caught the messages even though I was young, you know. So that's that's one of the reasons why that show really kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, most definitely. So what are you watching now? Um, what's, what are some shows that you're watching now? We like do this every once in a while. Okay. All right. So, I mean, if we're talking, oh, if we're talking science fiction, okay. Right now, um, I'm watching, like I'm, I'm ODing with Star Trek right now because they are just experiencing a renaissance. I'm watching um, Brave New Worlds, Picard, Discovery. I'm like, to me, I'm just like, People are saying right now on the internet, there's too much Star Trek. I'm like, that's sacrilege. There's no such thing as too much Star Trek. Like, what, what kind of fan are you, you know? So I'm watching all three of these shows at the same, same time. And beyond that, um, you know, of course, I'm waiting for the Orville season three to come back. So that's that's actually comes back next week. So I'm waiting, you know, waiting for the, patiently waiting for that. Now, if we if we talk about just in general, last week I started watching um Love, Death, and Robots. That it's kind of like a short on Netflix. Kind of like a yeah, it's like kind of like a you know, it's in the it's in this third season, but it's kind of like like uh, cartoon slash film shorts of like science fiction kind of themes, but not like a full uh, fledged out hour story. It's like like maybe 15, 20 minutes. So I'm watching that. If we're talking non science fiction, I mean the two shows that I'm watching right now, which are which are uh, more like on the crime drama tip. Um, I'm watching uh, Better Call Saul 
and finishing up Oz- the last season of the Ozarks, which to me, that's that joint is just ridiculous. But, you know, I don't want to segue too much, but that's what I'm watching right now. So I think I wanted to go back a second to shows that you used to watch. Um, if you can think of one that was like your favorite mm-hmm. um, and that really like stamped it in the mud that I am a sci-fi person and I will forever be a sci-fi person. What was that show or movie? Mm, mm. Well, if I had to go back, mm, and I'll, I'll say this, um, and this is a show that's going to be rebooted soon. Um, I don't know if you, if y'all have ever heard of a show called Babylon 5. Yes. Got the DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So like, uh, I, I, I started rewatching it recently. Uh, it's a, well, it's a show that, that, came on originally in the 90s like it lasted from 93 to 98 and like it it's a show that was kind of like like when I first well I mean of course I I previously was into Star Trek before but this show really took the whole genre to another level and with the storytelling and the character development and and you know you could you saw a, a, a a main character switch from kind of a a, a, a villain to a hero and you know I don't want to spoil too much but you know like it, with all the different story arcs and the the, the issues of, of you know like you know globalization everything and and peace and war um that that show like was was on when I was a teenager and I was wow this show is really deep it's almost like like somebody just put a book and put it on television you know and that was the first time that I really, and that show, that show ran concurrently with, um, with Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And if you remember back in those days, like back in that time, there was always the battle between which show was better. Was Deep Space Nine better? Was Babylon 5 better? And that show really got out of the whole Star Trek, Star Wars dichotomy. You know, you could say that, okay, which one is somebody, somebody you could start a whole new argument by saying that, Oh, which is better, Star, Star Trek or Star Wars? And then somebody uh, says Babylon Five, and then it's a whole argument that that new, brand new argument ensues. So, you know, but I, just the creativity was just was just ridiculous to me. You know, I, I was just gonna ask you. Uh, so, Babylon Five or Deep Space Nine? If you say the wrong thing, we are gonna have to fight. Uh, see, <laughs> see, uh, see. You know, I'm a. I'm sorry. We might have to scrap because right now I'm I'm gonna say Babylon Five. No. Oh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, my God. See, see, nah. I'm coming up to Harlem, like, right now. I mean, hey, you know. Babylon 5 was really good, so I do appreciate your take on it. Like, Babylon 5 was definitely good. I know we used to watch Babylon 5. Um, What about Farscape and Firefly? Like, what were your thoughts on those? Yeah. Ooh, man, that's like, that's... Farscape, hmm... Yeah, Farscape was cool too. Like Firefly didn't last long enough, you know. Nope. It just, it just, it, it, it you know, and like I'm, I'm even including the movie, you know, Serenity, you know, like which, mm-hmm. which I loved, you know, by the way. But Firefly could have lasted a little bit longer. I guess it's that, you know, the same way I feel about the V remake, with, which they, they should have never ended that show, you know. Like there's, there's so many shows that just should have could have kept going it could have had so much potential but you know but that's the way with, with science fiction sometimes sometimes it doesn't get a, a proper chance to really get off the ground you know yeah and, and the story doesn't get a chance to get that arc that it needs to really go yeah yeah so the v the v remake i think lasted one season which is like why only one? i think it was only one season or was it two wasn't it two wasn't was it two? Oh, maybe it was two i i thought it was one but yeah it might be two i have to look it up yeah <laughs> but yeah it did it didn't it was i think and it ended on a cliffhanger i believe yeah and speaking yeah. about what you're watching now have you watched mm-hmm. the expanse oh I, see i know you might try to snatch my my, my uh, sci-fi fan call but i haven't actually watched the expanse yet no okay no, I, I mean okay. you know I don't want. I don't. I don't want to lie on here. Like I haven't. I haven't watched. I've heard. I've read. Uh, I've, I've seen a few YouTube videos, but I haven't watched it from because the joint has six seasons, 
right? So, and then plus it was on sci-fi. So, you know, I was like, okay, I only had the streaming services. So I didn't, I wasn't watching it all along, but I heard great things about the expanse. So I, you know, but I, I, I eventually I'm going to get around to watching that drink, but and you look, you ready to fight me, Tosh. You look, you ready to. to it's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We already got to fight about one thing. We don't need to fight about this. I think, you know, <laughs> the expanse um, fills the void of when Battlestar Galactica ended, that fills that void mm-hmm. for me of um, that kind, that genre, the um, space opera yeah. genre. Yeah. Fills it for me. So it does True. what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things about it that, that I've heard. So you also could read some of the books if you want they have shorts they have like the novellas of course which are longer which i'm reading mm-hmm. i'm also reading the short ones and those are really good too so even if you don't get to the to the show which is absolutely i watched all six seasons and they are everything that you need and like when john said battlestar galactica was fabulous mm-hmm. this kind of gives you some yeah. of that um as well but the books are really good too the yeah books are, are yeah, like I, I can't even explain but just want to know your thoughts on that you know as a sci-fi buff I'll say that mm-hmm. I'll give you this time and maybe <laughs> next time when you come on we'll talk about the experience. hopefully you would have binged it by then <laughs> you're probably going to come up with a book about that too <laughs> well huh, who knows who knows it, right? it very well could happen <laughs> could happen <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah I mean it's just you know it's funny because this there's so much good stuff to watch, right? You know, is this so? There's so many. There's a good material. Like I, you know, like the like the remade Battlestar Galactica, which is one of the few shows that I actually think is better than the original. You know, and I like I I, I have I have the original on on DVD. So, you know, and that's 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 I know that's crazy to, to say, but yeah, I actually think that you know the OG BSG was cool, but the, the remake, yeah, the remake was on another level. So it's to the point where I almost they're talking about remaking BSG again. I'm just like, you know what? No, 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 no. Leave, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. It's it's just fine. We, you know, we, you know, y'all, we did we recently did the expanse, just ended. You know, Babylon 5 is gonna be remade. So let's let let's just leave leave BSG alone for 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 a minute, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I think we yeah. got what we needed to get from um Battlestar Galactica yeah. and Caprica. So yeah. I don't know. I don't need yeah. the need to remake it because Caprica was also very good to me, yeah, in no, my opinion. And, so ooh, and ooh, speaking of that, Caprica, that's another show that got canceled before before it really got a chance to get to a fruition. Cause exactly. and Caprica only got one season. Yeah, it did. And, I think, yeah. I think it did. And and then that the series was supposed to be the build up to the first Cylon War. Right. You know? And there's so much they could have did with that, but you know, um, yeah, it just didn't, just didn't pan out, you know, just really didn't pan out. Yeah. It sucks when, you know, sometimes a spinoff could be a curse. Like if y'all remember that um, Babylon 5 tried to have a spinoff too, uh, called Crusades and it didn't do too well either. So it's just like, sometimes spinoffs don't work like Babylon 5 to Crusades and then Battlestar Galactica to, uh, to Caprica. Sometimes Spinoffs don't really hit on the same notes, so yeah, uh, I don't happens. remember Crusades actually. Yeah. But oh, yeah. okay. But that that's interesting that they did that because the uh, what do you call it? Uh, Babylon Five. I'm sorry. It it was um actually planned out a planned out show from beginning mm-hmm. to end. So they knew yeah. what, how many seasons it was going to be. Et cetera, et cetera. So it was interesting that they would do a spinoff for that because mm-hmm. it was a planned out show. Yeah. True true you know and then even it's funny like like with the i, I rewatched it you know recently and the cgi you know cgi is a little bit dated but other than that the story still holds up so you know what are we talking like late 90s yeah, yeah well actually mid 90s because midnight like like nine like 93 94 like that's when that's when b5 first came on you know Oh, you're talking about okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then didn't end until, like, 98. And then by by that time, the CGI was just, like, okay, modern. So, you know, it's like it's like when you go back and... Remember, remember this, this this show called Reboot? Reboot. Say more. What's it about? Um, this, this show that... Uh, it's, like, kind of like this CGI animated uh, show 
that used to be on 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 ABC called Reboot, and it was like um like the the whole the whole premise was that you know there was like these computer programs that lived inside of a computer, and you know and it kind of did things. Yes, it was, this is like you know really uh like mid nineties kind of show that that was kind of like first like CGI for cartoons yes. and you know predated yes. a, a few shows here and there. Yeah, I just, just googled it real quick. I recognize it. It was I don't remember like specific storylines and things, but I I kind of vaguely remember. Yeah, yeah. So 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 that was when CGI started to really get like you know really technical. So but you know it's just interesting when you when you kind of see like the the development of science fiction and you know that's the thing that I like about certain shows. Like I'm a I'm a fan of the genre in general, but what really holds my attention is a show that not not only is a good show, but it also moves the genre forward. And I, I think like the, the 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 overall theme is that like, you know, whether it's Battlestar Galactica, Babylon 5, The Expanse, all of these shows are not only great, but they also move the genre forward in the terms of what they are willing to address and what they what they're willing to to talk about. So and really actually resonate with people because you can't just kind of like redo like the same thing that you did back in nineties. Um, you know, that, that people ju- are just familiar with. And then if you think about that, that, that point now about science fiction that doesn't move the genre forward, that was really the, the criticism of the early remade Star Treks because um, the Star Trek before before Discovery season two, people would were saying that the new Star Trek's are okay, but they don't move the genre forward. And it was when the Orville came out, like season one, like people were kind of saying that, wait a minute, why is the Orville better than Star Trek? You know, and and I know kind of that kind of looked odd, but but at that point it, it was, and now it's it, the show being on season three, and now I kind of see that Star Trek is kind of stepping this game up because of you know, a lot of different shows coming out and the remake. So like I, I'm more of a fan of shows that can not only be good shows, but also like bring the genre to another level. Speaking of shows that bring the genre to another level, <laughs> I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit on um, talking about your about Black Mirror and your mm-hmm. book. Um, yeah. I know that you mentioned already about how sci fi kind of brings up all these topics Mm-hmm. Um, through it, it in in their own way about what's go- going on in modern day times, like yeah, um, speaking about um, alienation and xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, so you uh, dropped your fourth book um, at the end of 2021. Uh, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Mm. Mm. I would say, I mean, the fact that I'm a like I'm a I'm, number one, I'm a science fiction fan, but in course number two like I'm a big fan of Black Mirror I became a fan before the show got big and for people who don't really um not don't really know um the show started in 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 Britain in 2011 which is yeah um 11 years ago now and um uh it started with just one season and three episodes and you know um it was like the first episode was like very weird, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> I don't even want to say it, but, you know, it's, it has to do with, with um, like a, a terrorist uh, threat, you know, um, but I'll, you know, you'll, you'll see what I'm, you know, if you Google it, you'll see what I'm, what I'm referring to. But um, like the show really like hit a note for me when I started seeing, I'm like, wait a minute, this is like a, this is like a modern Twilight Zone type of type of vibe to it. It really is on some weird, twisty kind of nonsense where, like, you know, I didn't see that 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 end coming. But you know, to get back to what motivated me to write about the book, I've I watched all the seasons, and you know, I it wasn't until season three when the show got big, and then because you know I was I I was knowledgeable about the series. I actually, um, the publisher of, I should say that um, Riverdale Avenue Books is the publisher of uh, 
the binge watchers got a black mirror and they also have like a series of books about different shows whether it be science fiction fantasy uh you know horror anything like that and they have a series and they gave me the opportunity to write this book about this sh the show and make points and make analysis about it and you know i of course i jumped, I jumped the opportunity being being a fan because they remember my my previous work from like i participated with them on an anthology with about uh 1984 in the 21st century, which came out, I want to say 2017. So, I mean, you could, y'all could, you know, look that up, you know, when y'all get a chance to. But um, what motivated me to write this book is just a way for me to kind of explore the themes that the show addressed because I found myself talking with people about the episodes, you know, chatting with people like online about the episodes, like, wow, did you see that twist? And are, are, is our society really like that? You know, are we really that disconnected from one another that, you know, that people will just dislike you over one thing you say on the internet? Like, wait a minute, actually, yeah, that is our that is our modern day life. You know, like one of my favorite episodes, um, you know, <laughs> where you know where the, the woman is trying to get to get an apartment and really, you know, just get through life, and you know, she's downrated and to the point where she can't even function in society. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, the show really inspired me to really grapple these issues and talk about certain things and, and flesh out where we are today. So that's that's really part of it. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I often watch a lot of these shows, especially Black Mirror and, and correlate like how we are currently and, and how that how that all is all connecting because a, a lot of what Black Mirror has is currently happening. I, I see it, you know, and it came out in 2011 and it's funny how everything is like kind of, kind of unfolding. You know, I, I feel like it almost, it's almost predicting things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But um, how long did it take for you to get from an idea to publication and what did that journey look like for you? What's funny, I was actually approached about writing this book in, in 2019, right? So I want to say like late 2019, around maybe November. And, you know, and coincidentally, they found out about um, some of the, the blog posts. I, I actually wrote some blog posts about Black Mirror on my on, on Plight Society. So people were reading that and say, oh, this guy has some interesting things to say about, um, you know, the, the, the series. And so they approached me about, you know, you know, possibly writing a, a book about it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Um, yeah, sure. And then, you know, uh, and then I started like putting ideas out here and there. But then I had to go back and like watch the whole five seasons. But the funny thing about it is that I didn't finish, well, obviously it was towards the end of the year. I didn't finish the book, you know, in 2019. But then we all know, like the in March 2020, the pandemic hit, right? And you know, at the point I'm like, okay, what am I do now? And then the publisher, you know, he said, oh, can you still like, you know, still go ahead and still do the book? And I was like, sure, you know. So what's crazy is that you know how everybody has this thing about about how they're gonna get through the pandemic and how they're gonna survive and everything. And you know, me sitting down writing this book actually allowed me to unpack some of the things that I lived through and went through during during this time of, 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 of tumult, you know? And, but to, end, to, to give like a short answer to your question about the process, you know, just going back, take, going back, watching the episodes, writing notes about it, you know, uh, just getting into things that I didn't really understand, drawing up the, the modern parallels, but about the process, I would say if we talk about from the time that it was conceived as, as an idea to publication, that's roughly, I'd say almost maybe 18 months, roughly from November 2019 to about when the book was closed back in March of 2021. So yeah, so that's about how long the process took me to, to come up with this and to go back and do my research and look into modern technologies and, and, and do all that. So I'd say like about a year and a half, really. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, a year and a half. I've heard like books taking 10, 15 years, a year, two years. I think, I guess mm -hmm. it was good to know about your process. 
specifically because okay. I know that time can can vary depending on what, where, what's being written and who or how the writer mm-hmm. is the process what that looks like um do you think the the pandemic or having I don't know if you had more time during the pandemic or not but did that or would it have taken longer if it was not a pandemic put it that way mm. hmm that's a that's a good question Natasha um I think given that you know with you know initially in 2020 with the initial lockdown and especially before before the vaccine was available when there was a hard lockdown and um you know there was uh really like the stores were kind of jammed up to the point where like you there there was a line outside to get into the store and all that like i think believe it or not because of the fact that i was fortunate enough thank goodness to even to be able to keep my job working from home and keep my income and everything that, you know, due to everything being locked down, the book probably got finished faster actually. Cause I really spent most of, I spent most of, most of 2020 writing it because I'm like, Hey, I'm home, right? I'm home. I'm, I'm home in front of my computer. I'm in front of my laptop. So I'm, I'm doing work. And so I'm like, okay, once I do my work, I, I finish this paragraph, I finish this chapter, you know, so I got more of a time to focus because when there was, there was absolutely nothing to do, nothing, you know? So I'm like, okay, let me just lock in and focus on finishing this manuscript. So yeah, so in a, in a sense, in a, in a, in a odd kind of way, yeah, the, the pandemic kind of did help me finish this book a little bit quicker because it might've took slightly longer. So, So yeah, I mean, you know, so, so it's one of those things that where the fortunately the good and the bad work to work together to, to come out to the result. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of what it was. I like how you stressed there was nothing to do. <laughs> um, so what it, what was your favorite um, episodes, and did it change from the first time mm. watching versus the next times you had to watch it for for the book? Hmm. Actually, yeah, I think that it didn't change, but it's, I started to appreciate certain episodes more, right? Like, I'll, I'll still say, right, that my favorite episode is Nosedive. And, you know, for those who don't know, that's the very first episode of season one, first episode of season three, my, my fault. And, you know, it's the episode with the, um, where they have this, like, rating system, and you know, you could like upvote somebody or like basically like, tap, tap your phone and, you know, rate an interaction. It's like, but it's kind of like Yelp, for, but for people. And you basically, you saw a, a, a like a score indicator above that person's head in like a bubble. And I was like, this is so crazy. And, you know, but that is like, if you combine Instagram and Yelp, that's that's what it is and eh, you, you know and it's it's so crazy you i rewatch that episode more than once i have to say like i i've, I've seen all episodes more more times than i actually care to admit you know <laughs> look at me like oh gosh shoot, this guy's a geek but you know but i've, I've seen it like so many times that's like oh wow like i could really see something like this that actually materializing and you know it it just makes you think like are we really that shallow where we will dislike someone off of off of one thing they said and never mind their personal history, never mind everything they, they've put out there, but just one misstep can just, you know, curtail, could just destroy everything. Like, and to me, that episode nosedive is about, you know, people pleasing. It's about cultivating your, you know, like the, the highlight really shows on Instagram about highlights and, the dangers of always wanting to be liked, you know, and the, the dangers of cancel culture, you know, and how people uh, uh, only curate to what they want you to see. So like that, to me, that's like still a, a, a powerful lesson there, you know. Aren't they currently doing that in China, though? They have a social credit system in, in, in mm-hmm. China where, where you're rated off of, you know, how you treat people, how you live your life. They actually implemented mm-hmm. that in China. I don't know where in China, but I, I believe yeah. I saw a report on that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's that's one that's one parallel that I did mention in the um in the book about the social credit system, 
and it's just a way to of keeping people in line you know i mean because that's the scary thing you know with all with all of the talk about you know the political discussion about authoritarianism and you know and just make people do making people do and, and people compelling people to do things there's the, there's there's more more than one way to to compel people to do things. You can also have con- conformity, and if overly enforced conformity is also kind of can be authoritarian to a certain extent. Like there's certain things you just can't say. There's certain institutions, people that you can't criticize. You know, if you say something that 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 that's favorable about somebody who is widely disliked, then by by default you can be canceled too like you know and it just goes to show how flimsy and how fickle people can be and you know like one day they they they'll, they'll like you and the next day they'll just complete turn turn against you so yeah there's a lot of parallels there so and just kind of goes goes to show like where we are and i think that's where you know sci-fi kind of takes us it's like understanding that we are more nuanced than just one or the other thing. We have the ability to do so many different things and technology can either aid or cause us our own destruction. And we'll be the reason, it's not the technology. And I think you mentioned this in the book and I don't wanna give away Mm -hmm. too much, but I think technology um, in sci-fi specifically, like in in the Star Treks, for example, technology Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily bad. It was like interesting to watch people read on tablets and then now that's what we do i mean i think people talk about this all the time with star, mm-hmm. star trek and other sci-fi shows where it kind of is telling of the times mm-hmm. but black mirror was a show that was more like twilight zone or made you think a little bit differently about your society made you think a little bit different about technology of course but also say um how that can be flipped on us because of the way people can be um mm-hmm. and i think that nuance is what we tend to forget about in our own lives. And when we use social media, it's like, we're more than just what somebody posts. Um, We can have a conversation about something somebody posts as opposed to saying, oh, they said this, cool. Don't like them no more. Um, So I think the nuance is what's missing in our lives. And that's when technology can become bad because we're using it in a way that's like, that's not what we should be doing. We're humans, remember that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, you know, that's the thing, like in the, um, in my commentary on the series, you know, one of the things that I, you know, that I did, you know, wrap up and cite in the book was that it's the application of te- technology, not, you know, not technology in itself that's as bad It's how it's been utilized. You know, if you can, you can utilize technology to, to, to oppress people, you, you can only utilize it to, to, to free people as well. So, you know, like just, this is why people understand that, uh, you know, using technology to do something like, um, like get everybody be able to, to order, you know, COVID tests is, you know, is a good thing. Have rapid access to, you know, COVID tests and get it sent through the mail. That's a good thing. While people understand instinctively while people might not have the, the, the level of analysis, they may say that, look, look, even though we understand that somebody like Elon Musk buying Twitter outright, I, we understand that that's a bad thing because that's the consolidation of power and the consolidation of, of media into, into so few hands. Like, and we understand that that's a bad thing because it's anti most, most people. So people know that, you know, the technology that, that, that can be used to, help people out can also be used to oppress. And then there's even talk that, you know, now with with Musk, you know, being in charge of Twitter and board Twitter, there's discussions of, you know, more, uh, you know, right-wing propaganda being allowed on the, on the platform. So, you know, people people know that, that there's always that behind it. So, but, you know, I just kind of like to point out that it's the, it's the implication and the, the, how it's, how the technology is actually uh, applied, not the technology in itself. And, and that's one of the things that people can miss about Black Mirror. It's, the show is not, not in technology, it's about how these things can be misapplied, you know? And then I also wanted to just mention that for those who may not be aware, uh, the show is coming back too. Uh, there, there's gonna be a season six, uh, which um, Brooker has, has announced 
and no, no episodes have been announced yet. No actors have been announced or anything, but we know that the show is coming back. So I want to see what else, what else he has to, 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 um, to show us. So, you know, looking forward to see how he's actually going to, you know, respond to this moment and, you know, everything like that. So. Yeah, it's been an interesting moment. And I, um, I don't know. Um, cause I, I remember during the pandemic, it was kind of like, what was the point of, um, it's not fun anymore. He, he, I think he mentioned it's not fun anymore to make the show because the show is, <laughs> we're living through it right now. Um, we're living through kind of this, uh, moment of Black Mirror. Um, with that being said, um, there's this, this idea of uh, living through a, a, a dystopia or living through an apocalypse. And um, you touched upon it a little bit now, but how do you see this moment right now? Are, are we kind of living in um, through this moment of apocalypse or dystopia or, and we just don't realize it and this is our normal or? Hmm. Mm, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, there's, you know, just look around you and see what's happening. I mean, it's just, it's the, the world does not make sense, you know, in, 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 in any organized way, shape or form, you know, they, they're, they're pushing us back to reopen everything. And, you know, I get it. The economy can't shut, you can't shut down completely. Um, but, you know, the, they're telling you to get back to normal as if nothing has happened, as if, you know, a million people alone in the U.S. haven't passed away. And, and to not deal with the social implications of that, like people are people are still grieving. You know what I'm saying? People are still suffering and going through things and, and trying to make sense of what just happened in the past two years. And there's no like uh, like accounting of that, you know. So like that that's that's the issue. Like we're just supposed to snap back to 2019 as if the last two years just were some kind of like uh some kind of acid trip like it just like it just didn't happen you know and you know compound that with how you know even post-covid and i can't i don't even you know can say it was post-covid because it's not over so but we're told to get over something that's not that's not officially over because i mean you know despite the pushes to 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 return to normalcy the last time i checked um, the World Health Organization has not declared the pandemic is over. So, you know, I, I, unless uh, anybody, if anybody has heard otherwise, please direct me to the links. Please to show me the receipts. You know, I haven't seen anything to the, to the contrary, you know, so that doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense that, you know, we kind of are seeing societal breakdowns and, you know, we're we're seeing things like, like formula shortages, but yet they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Like you, so you mean to tell me that, um, hold up, you're going to tell me that you're going to say they're going to take away my, your right to choose what to do with your body, but you're not even sure that there's no formula for the kids when they get here. Like w- make that make sense. You know, you're going to tell us that, well, uh, you know, politically, right. There's no money to do things like, uh, you know, do student loan forgiveness, but you can just just give billions of dollars in packages to to you know the proxy war in, with uh, Ukraine and the beef with Russia and everything, like and people and you're playing in people's faces and all that. Like so, you know, we see all these things that is kind of happening. You know, you see the the social violence is happening, and you you've seen the 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 idea that the police is supposed to protect, and then you see this latest incident, you know, that happened in Texas that. Like where the police kind of like kind of just kind of hesitated and you know and that's has a social consequences too like what happened to serve and protect what happened to that you know so we're seeing so many uh you know emerging contradictions in our society that it's hard to make sense of it all you know so this moment is is a very very weird moment and you know we're walking around like this is all normal and none of it is yeah. Um, what I'm hearing is two plus two equals five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> 1984, if anybody, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, thank you for that answer. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's just, it, there's a lot going on that doesn't make sense. And I think that it doesn't make sense on for a lot of people and people are, um, analyzing the, um, the implications differently. Um, mm-hmm. definitely. But it, there's a lot of things that are not making sense that are not adding up. 
at this point. And I, I definitely think that we're just kind of going about our daily lives, but there are so many things that are breaking apart at the same time. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's terrifying, actually, slowly. Yeah. Early in the pandemic, um, I don't remember if I read it or one of my siblings sent it to me, but it was an article and it, now it's, I'm not going to be able to get into it too deeply, but the overarching theme was it was a it was a gentleman who was writing about his experience and living through a war and how it was interesting that, you know, looking back on it, like they were living through a war, yet still many of them who had money or were able to were able to still go out and party while literally there was a war happening and like the city over from them or like or somewhere around them. But they were going out and they were still hanging out. They were doing going to the bar after work. So I feel like that was early in the pandemic that I read that. And I was like, that sounds crazy to me, but that's literally what's happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. We're in a time where people are still, you know, getting sick and hospitalized at a low, much lower rate, you know, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did lose, you know, a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And just thinking about how we're going about our normal days. It's, it's, it's like, I guess that, that piece that are, that we read so early that I read so early in the pandemic is kind of like, I guess what we do as humans, we're like, all right, well, gotta mm-hmm. go. And I yeah. wonder if that's really how it is or if it's just, just what we're being made to do. That's, I guess, another thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Just to switch gears, because this is going to be a hard shift <laughs> of a gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, because I don't drive. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a hard shift or soft shift. Let me know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a driving reference. So anyway. Doesn't need um, to be at all. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to know about, um, cause you, you mentioned being self-published, but you went through, um, Riverside for this book. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the difference? How did you feel about that, um, shift? Cause you, you're, sh- you were self-published with your first three books. Um, and mm-hmm. now that you're going through a, uh, I think it's an independent publisher. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say the, the difference is, um, you know when when I had to, when I'm publishing my my own work, um, I have to do all of the legwork. I have to do all the promotion. Like I have to do all of the the technical things. Like look at the the internal files and the gallery, the galleries and everything to just see if everything is, is there. You know, um, I have to you know contract out somebody to do the cover and all that other stuff and you know, just really just build the book from, from scratch, you know, but with, with this, with the, with, um, you know, my fourth book in getting the book deal, um, uh, with Riverdale Avenue books, it was just, I just had to focus on the writing of the book and it's just more telling me, I can just focus, I can just deal with the content and, and someone else, I, and then I hand it in my, my manuscript and then someone else could deal with, the the other aspects like the printing out of the book and the like the the formatting and the cover and, and everything else and the the back page and all of this and everything else that had to be done so you know it took all of that out of my hands and you know so that that was like um that was you know that was a benefit and also um to go with it it's a much wider distribution like you can like this book is actually in Barnes and Nobles and I can't say that about my other three because you know uh like certain bookstores won't take self-published books because there's a certain stigma that is unfairly uh given to people who self-publish their own work you know and you know there's still the kind of that barrier there of uh you know of people believing in whether somebody is really worthy of 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 having the book out there if it's self-published you know all kinds of oh it's just a vanity project well no if you could if you put together a solid concept, then it shouldn't matter whether a book is self-published or not. But we're not at that point where everybody just yet, you know. So, but I w- I will say that at least with this um there's a there's a marketing team you know that helps me distribute you know the uh, information about the 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 book and everything. So it's a little bit easier. So I you know I still do my own guerrilla promotion because I know how to I know how to do that. Like I know how to promote books you know of my, of my own. So I still like help in the promotion process but the fact that there's like kind of like a a, a um a promote promoting team behind it that helps out a, a lot when you have your when you have a publisher that's actually helping you work with it so so the process it's a bit different it's um 
is she more, I just focus on actually writing the content and developing the content and then just handing it in. And then from there on out, I told people, I'm going to be at this fair. I'm going to be at that book fair. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. And then, you know, people, they'll share the flyer about where I'm going to be. So, you know, it's more of like, a, a, you know, more like a help. So, so it's a different process. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's helpful for, um, you know, people who are looking to publish their works and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Do you, um, uh, do you recommend some people, you know, self-publish until they can get a publisher? Or do mm-hmm. you recommend like people just like wait, you know, continue to write on their blog? I'm um, just, just for mm-hmm. people like myself who are like writing, but you know. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, um, I- I'll say this. You know, I do I do recommend for writers that are still starting out, I still do recommend self-publishing because not only do you get the practice and get get the the experience of writing your own work, but you also can get your foot in the door and people start seeing that, okay, this guy has written a few books, he's been out for a while. You know, you can get like a like a, a, a start with that and you know, and you can learn learn more and make make contacts in the book industry that way because i'll i'll tell you this much um if i had say if i had waited per se waited quote unquote until i got a book deal i, I it wouldn't have happened like i actually found out about riverdale avenue books while promoting my own self-published books at the bronx book fair because that, that's that's where i met them you know I, I met the you know the the founder of um riverdale avenue books at the bronx book fair so and I was there um publicizing my my um at the time my my two self-published books. So, you know, so I, I got to be on the literary circuit that way. And you know, I'd recommend, you know, if you want to continue writing, you know, just like put together some of your, your best material and you know, maybe um, you know, start like putting a little bit of money to the side here here and there for for you know copyright, you know, expenses and everything and publishing expenses and you know, just like you can um, look at this book called Self-Publishing for Dummies and this um, it's on Amazon. You know, you can go there and see, you know, what, like it has been or even if you want to get it from the library, if you don't necessarily want to buy it, you know, per se. And just look at how to self-publish and all the, 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 the um, intimate d- details that go into that. So, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to just wait until they get a, a, a book deal in order to put out work like I'll, I'll I'll say this, you know, for the benefit of everybody listening, like I still, even though I did did secure a book book deal, I'm still going to continue to publish my own work. You know, I'm still going to continue to do that, so that doesn't stop, you know, at all. You know, I don't I don't want to get into it too much, but I do have another project that I am working on, but it's not science fiction; it's poetry. So that that's might be a different topic. So I don't want to go veer off, but that's that's come that's going to come later. But that's going that one's going to be self published. You know. But so I'm not giving up on self-publishing. It's just I'm going to still do both, you know, uh, publish my own work and then still see if I can get my work published elsewhere. So, you know, I basically advise, you know, beginning writers to still, you know, put their own stuff out there and believe in themselves and get themselves started with their own platform. Thank you for that. How have you created a community of writers around you? Do you do you have that? Like, have you have you networked with other um creatives or other writers like like how how does all that work for you okay okay that's a that's a good question Arlene um well I I definitely have to say that I do have a community of writers around me and uh because um in addition to publishing my own work I'm also a member of the Harlem Writers Guild and, you know, for those who might not be aware, the Harlem Writers Guild is the oldest Black uh, writing organization, you know, uh, in, in the United States. It started in 1950. And it was started because a lot of Black writers were kind of locked out of the publishing industry. And, you know, um, you know, we have, like, you know, member, founding members, you know, um, like John Henry, Henry Clark. You know, you had members like, like Maya Angelou. And, you know, there's a whole long history about the Harlem Writers Guild. And if you want to learn more, more than I can even get into, uh, please visit HarlemWritersGuild.org and it'll like, just give you the whole history of, of the organization. And, you know, we do things like um, we like have workshops about writing. 
there's going to be like a historical uh, fiction writing workshop on uh, hosted by Manette Coleman, who is of the, also the Home Writers Guild. It's going to be on uh, Saturday, June uh, 18th at the Schaumburg Literary Festival. Uh, it's going to be from 10.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, you know, you could just look at SchaumburgLiteraryFestival.org um, for more information there. And just so you know, the Harlem Writers Guild will be at, or members will be at the Schaumburg Literary Festival on the 18th. So if you come by our table, uh, you can find out more about what we do, find out how to join if you're interested. So, you know, that's my community of writers and you know, that's who helped motivate me to, you know, take my writing to the next level. Thanks, Mark. That information was so great. Um, and with all that we have said and covered and laughed about, our last question is, mm-hmm. how does a world where everyone embraces sci-fi look like? What does that world look like? If everybody embraced sci-fi, what does that world look like to you? Mm. I think... A world where everybody embraces science fiction looks like a world of of possibility, a, a, a world where of you know plenty, a world of of empathy, you know, a, a world of of kindness where you know we can respect one another's differences and you know embrace them and just see more than what we what is presented on the front cover. More we can see more than what's presented on a timeline. We can see people for for who they are as a full-fledged human being, you know, not a a, a 30-second TikTok or like a a, a 140-character stream of consciousness that that they may have a problem with. You know, we you know, those who embrace science fiction should just see it as a as a possibility of a better planet in in general, just a a better way of existing and a, a, a world where there doesn't have to be really be really be scarcity, you know, um, where we can use these same technologies to, so we don't have to deal with shortages, you know, where we can use the technology so we don't have to deal with people fighting over over oil reserves, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I know it's a little bit utopian, you know, but you know, I, I just think that it's what we have right now could be better, you know, like I. I don't accept that, that this is the pinnacle of our civilization and there's nowhere else to go from here. I just don't uh, accept that, you know? So, so yeah, I would just, the way I look at it, I just prefer, you know, people to see, embrace the full humanity of who, who we are. Oh, I love it. Yes. It, I don't think it's utopian, honestly, but we can get into that again all day. <laughs> so thanks so much, uh, Mark, for that response and all your responses. Thank you. Um, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet um, so we can save our cookies and have our consciousness uploaded to the cloud? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was a hot reference. I, I like that. Right? Like that. <laughs> oh, my so, so you can find me on Facebook, uh, you know, Mark Polite. You can find me on Instagram you know, at Mark Polite and, you know, and Twitter. Um, I'm on TikTok, but I don't quite understand how to use it. So I'm like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on it just to be on there, just to play around, just to see what, what everybody talk about with the silly, silly challenges and whatnot. So, but mainly, I mean, you know, outside of that, um, my main two sites are politeonsociety.com, which is my blog where I get into technology, social issues, do book reviews, literature reviews, that kind of stuff. And I talk, sometimes I talk about music too. You know, it's not just all serious stuff. Then there's my author uh, site, markpolite.com, where I have a link to all, where you can purchase all four of my books. And I have some information about, you know, me as a writer there too. So I'm still in the process of building that up too. So, so those are my two main sites and my social media handles is there. So, so yeah, so that's how you can, that's how you can reach me. And then, you know, if you, if you hit the contact page on my um, on marplight.com, you can send me an email. If you if people still choose to do that, you know, you gotta give people more ways to reach you nowadays. So yeah, some people like the old fashioned email. So email old fashioned? What you mean? I'm just saying. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, cause like it's funny, cause it's funny, cause 
like I mean, because I mean, yeah, because some people prefer to hit you in your DMs, and I'm just like, oh wait, okay, all right, all right, okay, you can just DM me. All right, you good, you good. I'm I'm cra- I'm joking with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like snail mail, man. <laughs> well, nah. Right? I'm like, I'm about to write somebody a car. What's the address again? <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Mark, and uh, for for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming through. This was like a delightful episode. Um, Thanks so much, Mark. It was good talking to you again. Can't wait to have you back on. Cool. Thank you. This this has been fun. It's been fun. You know. Um, you know, chit chatting about about like old school sci fi and everything, and state state of the world, all that kind of stuff. This this what's up, you know? Yeah, so most definitely, and I know we hope to have you back soon. And I wanted to thank our listeners for listening in again um, to the awkward stare. If you like what you heard, please share with some friends and follow us for more content like this. And you can also follow us on Instagram at the Awkward Stare Podcast. And please don't hesitate. You can you can hit us up on email as well. Actually, we have an email address <laughs> um, at theawkwardstare at gmail.com, as well as you can always slide into our DMs at the Awkward Stare Podcast on Instagram. Thank you all. Have a great day.